Hey guys, welcome back to the Kind of an Expert podcast, the only podcast where the guest picks the topic of every single episode. My name is Corey Tyndall, and as always, I'm your host. And this week I sat down with New York City comedian and Grizzly Pear comedy club manager Gabe Dorado to talk about managing a bar and a comedy club. Like a lot of times people hear the perspective of comedy from the comics themselves. Uh, so I wanted Gabe to stop by, talk about what it's like to manage uh, a club, manage the comedians, manage all the egos uh, that come through the door. So if you're interested in comedy at all, you're especially going to love this one. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Cuban is funny. Also on TikTok at Cuban is funny. And you can see him just about every single weekend at the Grizzly Pear in Greenwich Village. Uh on McDougal Street in New York City. And as always, follow me at Corey T Comedy on Instagram, TikTok, all social media, and come see me uh, almost every single night in Midtown Manhattan at the Three Monkeys Do Comedy. But with that, let's get into the episode. Cheers. Happy SantaCon. Best, best way to cheer SantaCon, <laughs> SantaCon, the absolute worst fucking day of the year. Brutal. Especially, like, I live downtown, too. It's way worse down here. Like, every, or I guess the first year I was here, I was all in the West Village, so it's kind of, like, cool. I'm never never going to go there during SantaCon. And then this year, I looked up the map, and I was like, why is it the East Village now? Like, is this planned? How do they do this? Well, places uh, started banning Santa Claus outfits on Santa Con Day so they can avoid the shit I show heard completely. That. Yeah. But I feel like they're going to make a ton of money if people go, right? Like, it's just people are going to go out that day anyway, but they want the normal people because by the end of the day, you just have like wasted Santa Clauses. Like they're the ones starting the fights. Yeah. Everybody that's in a Santa Claus outfit is the one starting the trouble. That's There's something about them wearing that Santa Claus outfit. Like even walking around this morning, I was like, I want to fight these people. Like, <laughs> They just look like the worst people. Maybe I'm like a bull. I just saw red, and I was like, I got to attack it. But I was like, God damn, you guys are the worst. And they maybe, hadn't even started drinking yet. Maybe because we think in the comedian point of view, it's like, man, that'd be like the worst person in the audience. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, I'll, give you, I'll, I'll give you a funny story. What happened, we stopped doing shows early on SantaCon at the Pair because um, I think it was like 2016 or 2017, but it was like never again. We'll just wait till like the shit show of SantaCon is over. And then, yeah. Um, this guy went dressed in a Santa Claus outfit, went to the back, like, you know, the fire exit that's back there. There's yeah, stairs. Yeah, there's yeah. no way out. Right. So he was wasted. He must've passed out back there. Oh shit. And, uh, the eight o'clock show started and like second comedian, he sh got out of the fire exit and passed out on stage. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious, but it ruined the show. Like, Who was on stage? I don't remember the time, but it was, Damn. Um, it was, I know it was a Saturday, eight o'clock and this bouncer had to get the guy out and like it kind wow. of disrupt it was it was really funny moment but it was just yeah. it ruined the show completely yeah probably half the people in the audience thought it was staged but um yeah. i was like man that's that is pretty much why in that neighborhood you don't do shows on SantaCon, you don't do shows on halloween because it's it's more of a drinking crowd than a listening crowd yeah well i mean you were gonna do the six o'clock at the pair but then uh like so you guys just canceled every show tonight no just a six because that's okay what's gonna happen is it, what in my experience is what usually has happened is um the eight is the worst show of the day 
Really? Because, because it's normally super, the midnight's the worst. Exactly, show. but it's yeah. it, it, the midnight will probably be the best show tonight, just because okay. it's, it's the sober-ish people that survived the whole night. I got, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. They weren't part of that right. SantaCon group because that's that's exactly what it is. It's survivors. The people belligerent at four o'clock don't make it all the way to a, like midnight. But even exactly, but even the ones that say yes to the shows in the afternoon are the ones that have been partying all day, drinking. Like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll come to a comedy show and we're yeah. ten drinks in, and that's never good. Like, yeah. I've rarely seen a good audience that after like 10 drinks, like maybe like three to f- five drinks, you'd be a good audience. But when you're past that limit, it doesn't matter. No doesn't matter how funny you are, you're not going to listen because you're hammered. It's that's that's where you get every type of heckler. You get the ones that like want to participate. You get the yeah, ones they, that are like they, yelling stuff at you because they're trying to be dicks. Like when you're that drunk, it's, it doesn't matter what you doesn't do. Matter. You won't, you're not no. going to win. You just have to no. get them out of the situation. Completely. <laughs> I, know. Like, I know. And it sucks for the comic too, because like you're 10 minutes, seven of it's yelling at this dude. And it's like, all right, what are we doing here? But um, anyway, let's, let's do a rundown because the, the topic of the episode is, uh, managing a bar slash comedy club but you actually you manage the grizzly pair to an extent you manage the comedy there and then you also manage a bar on the upper east side called iggy's right well, i don't I, I don't manage I, I don't manage anymore i mean i do stuff there and okay it's one of those uh by default almost everywhere that i've worked at i end up becoming the manager <laughs> just because you know what you're doing it's it's because you, you're the team leader somehow yep. you you're the one that organize can, can organize the stuff that's required and I think I worked in enough corporate places as far as even just hospitality that that's kind of I'm structured to think like that. Right. Um, that's like it. Any person that's bartended a long time knows that um, becoming management is slavery. Like <laughs> because you because you care. And like if you're a good manager, you're yeah. gonna be a slave to the place. That's and true. It's, it's not gonna be worth the money you make. And that's that's the pitfall of why a lot of people stay bartending for a long time or or, mm. or waitressing or, or or being a waiter. Because because um, it's easier money, it's faster. And yeah. like you, instead of instead of getting a shift pay of like six hundred bucks a week as a manager, you're making two thousand dollars as a server. You know, like right, so, right. So why? And like unless you have a plan, like I will learn how to manage a bar because I want to eventually open my own place. I've gotten to the point now that I think I've managed enough places that until I own my own place, I won't want to manage a place because it's not worth it. That makes a lot of sense. And that's why I started working at Iggy's. I remember the last place that I managed was a place a block from. The Grizzly Pair, um, I had a falling out. The owner was a very good friend of mine. She was my ex-roommate, like best friends and mm. whatever. Short story, falling out. Um, I quit on Christmas Eve. <laughs> oh, no. Like mid-shift or like, like right pretty after? Pretty much mid-shift. Wow. That's tough. That's a big bar night, right? Um, No, not not in that no? neighborhood. It's, it's, right. it's the, one of the slowest nights of the year because everybody's away, dude. Like, like it'll, uh. it'll pick up late at night, but we... It was one of those days that we shouldn't have been open, but we were open. Got it. And we knew the sales were going to be low, and you're the owner on vacation. Yeah. Watching the cameras from vacation, trying to micromanage the kitchen guys. Why are they sitting down? Like, dude, that's, you haven't... that's the worst. So whatever. We got in a big argument, and I quit that night, and I told myself I never want to manage a place again. I went to Iggy's, and that's the first thing I told the guy that's the manager there. He's the partner slash um, manager, Ryan. I was like, dude, I just want to bartend. I don't... I'm not trying to manage i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna implement anything like i was like I just, i'll work for you like it's that easy i let's yeah. i'm a good employee like i get it as far as a bartender and that's kind of been my relationship up there he lets me do shows and so like i'll coordinate stuff nice um the fact that like i get stuff done there is just like i think any employee that works anywhere should have that mindset man like yeah well that's that's 
part of it, right, is like since you have managed, you could see what needs to happen. And so you're just like, well, I'll just fucking do it. Because just, just, it's well, easier just to do just, sometimes. Just than, overall work ethic, man. Like, yeah, true that. It's it's interesting that you uh, said that the, the manager is the one who's kind of like the slave to the, the building because like I work in tech during the day and it is like it, I noticed like as you go up the ladder, like you have to you have to give a greater percentage of your time. Like there's nobody who's a CEO or even like a VP level person at a tech who's not thinking about the company 95% of the time. That's, that's, that's his job, man. Yeah. And even like when you get off like holidays or whatever, for Thanksgiving, I was talking about it with one of my coworkers. Um, the Monday after everyone comes back after a company holiday, leadership is just like, they're going crazy. They're giving so many like directives. They're talking to everybody. And it's like, it's like they were pent up for four days because they've still only thought oh, about my all of it. And then Monday's the first day they can come after you. So it's just crazy. And I was like, man, that sounds brutal to have that high of a, mindset percentage spent on that i just think it's really uh, tough the amount of planning that you have i don't think you have enough time to get to everybody so people just start like my brother works for lenovo okay um he's worked for lenovo and ibm back and forth for over 20 years um we're roommates so i i I can hear his conference calls yeah and that's exactly what it sounds like it's it's a manager who talked to his board and they gave him their principles that they want like to be applied and he's got to implement them as best as he can to his whole staff. Yep. And then my brother has to take the notes, implement it to his team, yep. and just going down that chain. To just... It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, my last job I was managing people, and now I'm I'm not. And uh, don't get me wrong, I love managing people, but it's, boy, it's is awesome. it nice to just be able to do your work and only think about your work? And, like, I've got a, a great boss above me who is in charge of yeah. people and, like, when you trust your boss, it's so much easier just to be like, oh, nah, she's got it. But uh, that to me has been the hardest dynamic of, because since since I've been bartending, like I've been bartending longer than I've been doing stand-up. I started doing stand-up 2009, 2010. Okay. Like I, I came from like, I was doing improv and sketch before and I organically went into doing stand-up. Sure. I just started enjoying it more because it was harder. Um, yeah. But uh my goal always as whatever place that I eat, whether I was a head bartender or I managed was, was to give myself the flexibility of time to be able to perform on certain nights. Yep. I didn't realize how important having every night off I was going to need. I and mean, that's a good problem because I was getting into stand-up. So now that different dimension of me managing a bar compared to me managing a comedy club, separating the two so that I can focus on being a comedian, that's mm. just, that's been the biggest hurdle. And okay. it's, it's finding free time, making sure that your income is still hitting a X, right? So that you can enough survive, to pay rent. And, yeah. enough to pay rent, and, and, and kind of be kind of happy. I can pay bills off. Yeah, um, I can still save some money. I could invest in something, maybe like if I have a, like a few bucks left over. Yeah, but at least making that ends meet, having the window of time to apply it to stand up as much as you can. Yeah, that's been my biggest, and it's it's a good. I think every comedian goes through that journey of like finding, becoming a professional comedian. Like the, everything you do is geared. Like you don't have anything that's in the way. Yeah. And that's like the ideal goal for all of us. It's it's also, I would argue, the hardest thing to do. I mean, 100%, dude. it's just the the balance of time. And it is funny how like I've, I've noticed this with the comedians that I get along best with are the ones that 
can hold down a day job and like have that work ethic that you're talking about like me chris Ryder, you like a bunch of people at the parent like it they're not the like dudes that are sitting in their parents basement just convincing their mom that they should keep believing it's like it's people who work hard me and kenny speak about this all the time yeah and it's just like dude they give it like a business instead of like getting three minutes no like dude this is your business this is what you want to do I think once once you that switch happens, your comedy presence even like improves. Yeah, because you, you you start looking at all the little details of what can make me better, and like it, you start looking at oh I like like I fix that next time and instead of being complacent. I think too many people are complacent in stand up. Yeah, and it, it's crazy. It's like dude, you don't ever stop getting better. Like, I know. You, and uh, like I always it, and one thing I can parallel to bartending is when people argue like look what i did for you like last month like it doesn't matter you're as good as your next right like you're as good as your next special you're as good as your next set yeah your next shift what have like, you done for me lately like it's yeah you gotta you have to oh like think of it as i still have to provide dude like yeah well that's i feel like you put yourself in a from an outside perspective and tell me if i'm wrong here i feel like you put yourself in a great position where you you gained the management skills at a restaurant and now you're managing the comedy for the grizzly pair which has what three sometimes four shows a night and you're able to be on as many as you want and you can like really push yourself but it's all about how you set it up with the management right like would you have gotten that opportunity if it weren't for the skills that you kind of like got in the beginning of bartending probably, in the beginning of managing? probably not because um even what got me into stand-up was my networking skills as a bartender like as a mm. like I, I became friends with gary and peter the owners of the grizzly pair oh yeah because i was a manager of thunder jackson's which was a block which was what jojo's was before Oh wow! Right I next think, to the lantern, like yeah, I so think I, JoJo's just closed. Yeah, actually. they closed, and it's I think it's something else. We were like trying to, I was looking to try to. There's buy it, always like, something new. It's like there's a restaurant over here. Like, they closed in a week later as a mezcal bar, and I was like, what the fuck? Some, I was just here. Some some <laughs> rents are too high with no plan, man. Like, yeah, but right. uh, everybody thinks they can run a bar. I'm sure of it. Exactly, but I think that's uh, <laughs> it's so funny because I think you're 100 percent right. I think indirectly, organically this was just kind of like put on my lap almost in a, in a good way and even I think Kenny was the same thing like they knew that Kenny was a hard working barber and he, like, he's got clientele and the dynamic that me and him have together is like means him always got along there's no like yeah. there's never any animosity competition it was like dude we just like doing shows like that's been our yeah. mindset the whole time like mutual respect we just enjoy, like we want to get better at comedy that's kind of he, he's, he and it comes from both having athletic backgrounds like okay. I played sports my whole life and so did he so we always say to like it's it's kind of it's funny our compliment to each other is like dude we would have we would have been good teammates together like <laughs> yeah, exactly we would we would have killed in sports <laughs> and he's like yeah you're right like yeah but, I could uh, definitely see that that's uh that was a cool like it was just like I guess like it's one of those things that you if, like hopefully like you read it like in a in one of the history books of comedy mm-hmm. that's how it started like the comedy store history you know like something like that um, but they'd happen man it's crashing was selling our shows out indirectly like all the time yeah so so the the background on that for the listeners pete holmes show crashing um he did a scene or was it multiple scenes where he did comedy he did at the grizzly pair and like the sign the first season 
Yeah, they 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 changed the sign, right? But it's obviously the grizzly yeah, pair, and you could advertise like, like seen on crashing and all this other stuff. And it, like, I remember when I think I was just starting, right when the grizzly pair was shifting to like a full time comedy club with like comedy mob doing their kind of thing yeah. there, and just like watching the growth to where you guys are now was insane, and that definitely helped. I don't think I'd put that well, together yet. The biggest thing that um. The way everything kind of finally happened was that started happening and it started happening like all during the week. Like it, it wasn't just happening on Friday and Saturdays. Like mm-hmm. it was happening on Tuesday. Like, oh, right. like, you had 50 people in here because if you get a Tuesday night crowd, like that's amazing. So it's so hard to get a Tuesday night show going at one point. And, and this is this was like the, the the dark history of the of the pair is like it. It was like the Wild West, dude. Like it. it and. There wasn't very. It's very clicky. It was oh, all, yeah. a bunch of little gangs oh, and yeah. and very selfish on I certain remember days. It. <laughs> and people, and uh, the the I guess the the evolution and and the thought that changed that place was not doing free shows. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people thought that like no, this is, we're yeah. doing free shows. We're doing free shows. I like, do like one thing that me and like Kenny like both agreed on, and it, it was. This is kind of how, I don't know how we apply it to like when we even bring in new producers. Is like every bad show and every good show is that for the exact same reasons almost every time. Mm-hmm. And if we can follow the principles of a good good show, like start on time, you know, like have good lineup, um, finish on time, yeah. have music, just little details that just make a better show. Yeah. Um, well, let let's get into the the pricing real quick since you brought it up. Yeah. How do you price a comedy show? Like and and. This is in your mind, and obviously, there's a thousand different opinions on what you should we, do here. But like, how do you think about that? Going back to the, even the free shows, the, the, and this is how like, we just like got to just make, create a value for yourself. Um, the worst shows that I ever been on were free shows, and why? Because you could leave because it's a yeah. free show. It sucks. It's free. It so sucks. That it kind of gets in you pay a dollar, the audience. Yeah, head. it's free. You can leave whenever you want, and right. that affects the quality of a show. If you charge a dollar, people will stay for the whole show because yeah. they paid for it. Like it's it's such a crazy psychological value thing. Right? There's value in that. They oh, I paid a dollar, so I'm gonna stay and watch. So we starting to realize, man, like the fact that we start charging twenty, it actually makes the show better. Yeah. Because people have higher expectations. I think twenty is the highest like. That, that would be my way of cutting. Like, that would be my cutoff. Because you still got to buy a drink and stuff. And it, you don't yep. want to make it like a $100 night. Like, for example, there's some clubs that... It's a night, bro. Like, if you go with a date, oh, you're yeah. spending 200 bucks. Yeah. Like, the two tickets, the two drink Especially minimum. Especially the ones in, like, Times Square. Times Square, Square area, 100%. Like, that's... And granted, they're they're ripping off tourists. Yeah. And there's a reason that no local New Yorkers go there is because it's it's too expensive. It's too expensive. And let's say um, a really big name that you want to see. You yeah. won't go there. Yeah, no, it's it's so I bring it up because um, Chris Ryder, former guest on this podcast a bunch of times, and I were going to start a show and we um, we were talking to an art gallery and we were like, hey, I know you guys do like different stuff. Would you be open to a comedy show? And they were like, well, I don't know about a regular show, but what if we lumped in your show with like a musician afterwards and then like a couple of other artists selling pieces and then we make it like a hundred dollar ticket and my I mean, my first thought was like 
what's the headliner here? Like, yeah. is the comedy opening for the music or is the comedy the headliner? Because if be, somebody saw a $100 comedy night, yeah. they'd be like, boy, that better be fucking Dave Chappelle over there because well, then I think you'd, you'd not be, going uh, to that. And it didn't happen, but I'd, I'd love to give your thoughts on, like, how do you go about I've had producing? A, I've had a few ideas for, like, a festival, which kind of seems similar to what that would have been. Um you could pay for individual specific things, but I think uh, if you plan an event, like I think you're gonna sell the event. Mm-hmm. Like you go to a music festival to be the weekend there, you know, to right. like not to see one band, you right. want to see ten bands. Right. And if that would, that's what you're selling, is like, dude, it's gonna be a good, it's gonna be a good day. Like you're gonna see a comedy show, then you get to see this rock band after. You get to buy some art. Like you're you're selling the whole experience instead of the individual comedy show. Like you're just a detail in that whole event, unless you're set. Like unless you made it like a separate thing and you can buy separate tickets for the comedy show and buy tickets for the concert mm. or just have passes to go watch the, the paintings. Like yeah. you could just separate it like that. Cause even, even it's, in music festivals, it's the same thing. And that's, I've had this idea for a long time to have a music festival in the village. Like kind of like, a, Oh, I think it'd be great. Right, I looked at the history of, of what the village was and very like beatnik. And there was, they had like a bunch of like Harlem Renaissance, like, yeah. the, like a lot um, of jazz, a lot, lot of jazz like, and just revivals of, um, I think that would be so badass if you got that whole neighborhood. Like, I don't know what comedy clubs would affiliate with it. Yeah. But uh, a lot of restaurants, like, dude, there's, like, for example, SantaCon. Some places that still follow, like, SantaCon kind of, like, will we'll make money off it. There's bar crawls that somebody who's selling this event, this experience for the SantaCon bar crawl is going to all these bars and saying, you guys want to be part of this. I think a... It wouldn't have to be like a and the thing like I wouldn't be selling just a comedy like I would I would want to call it a, a, a comedy festival, but I would want to apply like all the art that's in that neighborhood, the jazz, the fucking the the food, yeah, the, the paintings, like the just every element, the street performers, you know, just right. Um, yeah, that dude who hits uh, paper cubes with yeah. a golf club. Like, get him involved. Tiger, Fuck it, I, why not? Tiger Hood. That's a, Tiger Hood. I forgot his name. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't seen him a ton since the pandemic started. But, but that's that's probably gonna be my next project. Like, is yeah. Oh, Tiger Hood. No, he's there. He, dude, he's um, he's changed locations. He's not at Mineta Alley anymore. He's been going to uh, West Third, right in front of Fat Black. Okay, that's a good spot. There's always a line well, there. Nobody, nobody bothers him, and he's right no. in the middle of the street. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> oh man, yeah, I love that guy. Um, no, I love, I love this idea. There's so much like you could bring up so much history with this thing. The the issue, and you touched on it. Who's gonna join? Right? Like, what's the organization? Because someone like if you went to the seller. They're gonna want like a huge cut yeah. because of this, that, and the other thing. They're a big name, um, but I mean, I wish you luck. I hope it happens because that would be fucking awesome. But like, how do you, um, how do you even start that? Uh, I wrote this about a year ago. It was like a basic, like I first I googled how do you start a music festival, like, <laughs> and I literally wrote. Bring everyone to an island. You give them no food. There's horrible tents and like, uh, I, then I you literally get your wrote all the off. details of what's like what do you need um <laughs> and then i was like what are the legal requirements that i would have to do for that and then there was like some sort of waiver that people would have to find like or well, to sign or an insurance um my it's funny because I, I broke this down into a more basic idea and, and this is a something that we we're about to, we were going to start right before COVID happened and we had so much momentum it was um a history of walking tour mm. in the village a, a history of comedy 
walking tour. Sorry. Yeah. Um, because there's so much history, and it, at the time, uh, me, uh, you know, Jenny Saldana. Yeah. Um, me, her, and Angela Lazada, who like recently passed during COVID. Um, that guy's been around forever, and and he had so much knowledge on comedy. He would walk with with me and her while we were me and her were just kind of like writing a script mm. and seeing what was in the neighborhood and like go to the duplex, and that's where um. Dangerfield would prepare his act before he would go to like to Dangerfield, so he wouldn't bomb at Dangerfield's. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that's where. I had um, no idea. I've been where, in there. I had no idea. That was like one of the first um, places to do the comedy because of gay civil rights. Like a lot of stuff was being allowed to do there, so it was a big movement. Um, what's uh, was a lady that Joan Rivers? That's where she developed her uh, her special at the Duplex. Um, okay. Obviously, uh, Gaslight. Mrs. Yep. Maisel, like that's like famous. Yep. Right across the street from the pair, um, the Grizzly pair, because of crashing, um, the Comedy Cellar, which is like the Coliseum of gladiators, you know, like of comedians. Yeah. You got the Greenwich Comedy Club right there, that's affiliated with Broadway. You have the Comedy Store. There's just history. Then even within that, there's little neighborhoods that have like just somebody that knows, like she's a tour guide, so she knows historical facts. So do the, the art to break down the, the music festival idea. I was like, what if uh, we can plan an itinerary? Because that's all a music festival is. Mm-hmm. It's an itinerary that you create for yourself, saying, like, I want to watch The Killers at 8. Yep. I want to watch Red, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers at 10. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to watch the comedian Hannibal. You know, like, and that's kind of what I did when I went to Bonnaroo. Yep. So you could, if you can create that in a tour, that's just more of like a, you create that experience for them. Right. But uh, I think what, the, the more broad idea would be awesome is make it a more... Um, loose festival that you can mm-hmm. pick your itinerary like right like you can like buy three t- options at all you can times. buy tickets to the comedy yep. store at six and then go eat dinner at eight and then catch a late night show at Greenwich you know what I mean like like something like that right or uh, go watch live music at the Red Lion after you've done with the Grizzly Pear like just yeah that versatile kind of idea and that I mean some people like p- things being planned for them so I think the first one would probably have to be like a make it like sure at eight o'clock you gotta be here at because yep. it'll be smaller too but that's, that's like, all learning curve like anything else. Like, Yeah. No, I mean, that sounds like a great idea to me. It It's a lot of work, but yeah. that's like that's why you've been working on it for a couple of years. But one thing that you just did recently that I'd love to hear more about is the special taping that you guys just did at the Grizzly Pair. Like, how, I guess part of this is like, how do you balance your use of the comedy club versus the comedy club as a whole and then also once you make that decision how do you go about actually producing that because you guys had a ton of cameras you really built it out yeah. that was a that was a legit production that you had going on this wasn't some dude actually with an watched, iPhone uh, like this I watched the f- I watched it for the first time um, this morning yeah and it gave me like goosebumps watching because it came out great like, that's and, awesome. and I only watched the uh, the long, the long clip, like the the full, the full shot. Yeah, I saw a few pictures of the side shots and the close-ups, and I can't wait to see that because just the the, the far shot, seeing the quality of, of sets were were cool. Um, man, I, this goes back to work ethic, man. Um, I've been doing stand-up for twelve years, and I'm still going through the same thing of trying to get booked at places. Yeah, um, I'm fortunate to have this opportunity to be running a club that I can allow myself to get better by giving myself spots um i think it's everybody gets better by repetition it's it's inevitable if you're doing enough spots it's like going to gym like you're gonna get bigger 
Uh, if you're running five miles a day, you're going to be in good cardio. You know, like, yeah. Well, you got to make sure you're not going to the gym every day and still lifting 25 yeah, every like, day. But, you know. Exactly. But, it's, it, uh, but having some sort of plan with it. Um, yeah. That's it. But at the end of the day, it's like even having, filming a special, I was like, man, we're going to have to make, like, we have to make these, these things happen for ourselves because if you're going to wait around for things to happen, they might not ever happen. And that's kind of the bad consequence of a lot of uh, comedians' careers is, is like nothing ever happens because you, you waited around thinking like you were going to get spotted because that's the fantasy. I mean, we all want to be fan- like, oh, that agent saw you in a, in a spot. And like, dude, you're, 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 you're going to Hollywood. Like, yeah. We all want that. Right. But, uh, and it does happen, but it doesn't happen overnight. It, it happens from you doing stand-up for 15 years and finally right. you got good at stand-up that you were consistent all the time on stage and like that guy's hilarious yep. and I just think that that's I always tell myself I, I can't wait to see myself three years from now three years from now like, and I keep saying that because I'm going to be better three years from now I'm going to be even yep. better like, and I think we don't stop growing but even going back to the growth and the special is I finally got to like a point that I was like man I, I think the only way for me to not feel a stagnancy in, in my overall quality of performance is by doing something like this yeah, and I was like, you know what? We don't have to do an hour special. Like, the, 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 one of the truths about watching stuff now is people's attention spans are so short. An hour is a long time. Hours now. a long time, and uh, like, unless you are Bill Burr, yeah, Dave Chappelle, that he's like your he's your favorite comedian. You're not gonna watch like even you might not even watch that whole hour. You'll watch 20 minutes of it, yeah, and then you'll come back to it and watch 20 minutes of it. But that's because that's how our attention spans on are now. My my favorite stand up to watch and I've seen all of them a bunch of times are those half hours that the Netflix best. put out and it's it's so easy it's like 30 minutes bam like great that's their best stuff it's like it keeps it moving it's not where like even with Chappelle or Burr or whatever it gets to be like it's the 40 long, minute yeah. mark you start it's looking at your tired, phone dude. and you're uh, like yeah. oh my god live it's different I think people are still pretty good at that's what paying it is. attention live but um, yeah I feel you that Netflix special is actually what inspired me to do this because I was like man like I, I liked the majority of them some of them are like all right sure but that's like there's a demographic for every comedian which yep. is why you crush it in certain audiences um i started thinking a lot about deaf comedy jams and why you remember back in the day like dude they were short sets yeah like they were like it was, 15, it was right? chris rock doing 10 minutes 15 minutes yeah, yeah. Like, short, like bernie mac doing 10 15 minutes and these are like memorable sets and i'm sure they had like a great hour but that's they brought their best 15 that night yeah um so my idea was like dude we should do that and then i was like well I, if i can create like a variety like a versatile ethnicity of comics yeah it would even be more appealing for people to watch because then you can watch a little bit of flavor well so so lay it out like who was on the uh, show how did out. you guys set this up over two I, nights like a buddy of mine the guy that filmed it he this is what he's been doing for the last 15 years he's a film guy um he's always offered to uh, be part of some project and yeah. we, we, we brainstormed a bunch of st- times when I finally gave him this idea like a, I would say maybe four or five months ago he was super on board and then I, I was just basically just like I'd, I had mentioned it to Kenny a bunch of times and he's like, he was like man that's a fire like, Kenny Warren the the, yeah, like, the guy that you managed to pair with he, again, he, he's got a raspy voice but he's like that's fire yeah so I remember <laughs> I um I, I was just getting the details ready and then finally I finally I found it into a way that I can make it a script I I, I messaged Amory Castillo who's a comedian that yep. lived she's in she's been on this podcast oh cool yeah I, just, I did her podcast recently um, 
she was super on board and I had brought it up to Carbano a bunch of times. Alex Carbano, yep. another great comic. Um, I have to get him on this. And then um, Andre to. Kim. Yep. Was on board as well. And, and these are guys that we like, I've kind of been close to even outside of comedy. Like then that's, I think the um, funny aspect of, of comedy is the friendships you make outside of like oh, yeah. Alex is probably one of my oldest friends in comedy because me and him could go out drinking and it had nothing to do with stand up. Yep. Like, it was like we're going to get stupid. Like, that yeah. Those those are those are the key relationships in stand up. I, like, I said it on this podcast when the pandemic shut down the thing I missed most wasn't being on stage it was hanging out before and afterwards with the other people. Yeah. Um The pandemic actually showed you who your real friends were. Yeah. Cuz they're the ones you kept in touch with. Those are the ones I kept just to check yeah. on you, not even to get something out of you. Like, right showed you who really cared about you and stand up yeah. in general but so you guys so it was the five of you two days we did uh four tapes four, two, two four tapes okay so um the guy that filmed it he uh we made an agreement he i he wanted i wanted him to, he his vision i i loved and he wants to become a producer of it so we basically um just hired his camera guys and that's like that was the whole thing. We they had two guys that know what they're doing, running the cameras, and he just kind of directed it. There you go. We paid them. We paid them with their standard right. production fees for a whole day of being film crew. Because like I told him, because I want to make this a real production, so let's do this. So we're kind of in phase two of it now. Um, I'm just watching all the sets now, and taking notes. Like I, I watched all of mine, and I started watching Andre Kim's today. Um. I already decided which was the best set that I want to use as the background. Okay. That's going to be kind of edited now. Are you going like, to splice different bits from each set we're gonna, together? Or? If, 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 it, if okay. it can happen organically, like if it looks... Right. You'd rather looks, just take the 20 and uh, like but at uh, one time. For example, like on, on the Thursday, 10 o'clock, uh, that was probably my best set as far as like from beginning to end. But um, I don't like how I... Got on stage on that set, <laughs> man. Like that, that detail. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, I, I, it's funny how like that, even that little thing can really piss you off with a with a set. Even when it's not taped or recorded, you're just like, man, I look so stupid when I got on well, stage it's, there. It's been a, one of my bad habits that I've been focusing on on stage now is uh relying on knowing that like I like. Like like silence like like I, I enjoy it and it, it yeah. usually builds my my I guess my suspense in comedy like well, I start getting bigger laughs through the silence I I but, do the same thing but if I go on stage using that already I've, I've I've already created a low energy for the audience instead of starting from here and then getting finding that groove of mm -hmm. into that so I, I that's kind of like why I didn't like that sex I came on stage already bringing them here for no reason when I didn't have to it was a good show it was a taping like so. I watched the, the the next set the next day and it was just a different energy. I came on stage and I went into a joke right away, like in a, like, let's go, we're here, right. thank you. Yeah. So that's kind of that's why like when it comes to the editing, I'm gonna want to see that part instead. And then I I had one. I felt it on stage, and then when I looked at the tape, exactly it was I jumbled a word, on the Thursday ten o'clock, even though the joke killed. Mm -hmm. Um. I said it better on the the, the next day on the ten o'clock. Like mm. I I, op I I started the the whole premise of the joke better, so I would want to maybe just see that part cut, and it's like an overall like good. Okay. It's, then it's then for me it's a ten like not like it's like right. an eight point 
eight. Like yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. That's that's I'm assuming where. Well, I was going to say that's where most of the work is, but I guess it's taken you 12 years of work to get to, to this point in terms of performing. Crazy. Well, I mean, th th that's the reality of watching a special. Like, they film it five to ten times, yeah. and an editor puts it together. Yep. And that's how hard people don't realize stand-up is, because even the best don't do well sometimes. Oh, all the time. And when they say this, like, it's funny, because the best stand-up comedians always say, like, I bombed. I think there's a difference in your mindset when you've been doing stand-up for a long time. When you're an experienced comic and you're and you're that funny, you own a bomb. So it's mm -hmm. different. It didn't like to to a person that does comedy, like he didn't bomb. He 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 was hilarious. Yeah, he did great. Yeah. But you thought you bombed because the jokes weren't crushing. Like, yeah. Right. Your your bar is a little higher than yeah. where it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congrats on that. Thanks, man. I, I said it at the time. It really was like an awesome production that you put together but i want to ask you about um i guess specifically balance and what i mean by that is in sort of the the comedy world you generally have one or the other you have people that manage clubs you have the comedians and you're in kind of a unique position you and kenny and a few other people where you are managing the club and you are a comic and you said a couple times, like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. How do you balance in your head the managing of the club from a show perspective to trying to get better yourself? Because just in my experience of producing shows, like, man, if you accidentally overbook a show or something, yeah. like, I've given myself less time because we got to get out of the club. Care. And I, I feel I that. And I, so, like... That's that's where I'm coming from for this is like how do you balance in your mind knowing like okay I have to produce the best shows I have to produce all of this stuff but I also don't want to hurt myself in doing this because it takes a lot of effort to to produce all these shows the the ego is a big thing um, you have to like kind of throw it out the window but at the same time you have to know what is at stake for yourself. Like I, I've always, I've always said, the integrity of the show is what matters the most. So as long as I can play around in the parameters of honoring that, like the show is important. Like, like I'm not gonna do 20 minutes in the middle of a nine-person show because, because like that's <laughs> that's messed up. I wasn't like, even talking about taking the audience but into account, but, but that is part of it, right? That, when you're that, trying that, to that run the club, the show. yeah, because you want return customers, and it's it's. An interesting balance because you could give yourself 20 minutes on every one of your shows. I, and it, whether I have a good set or not, I can have a great set, but I'm now I just exhausted them for the next three comics. Like, right. In a sense, like it won't be ideal for the last two comics because they just saw a guy do 20 minutes. Yep. And they just put all their energy into that, which is why when you go watch, like when you go to Caroline's, it's three comics. It's a host, it's which is your opening act. Yep. And then a feature and then the headliner because... That's what like your our brains are programmed beginning middle end. Right. I think in a showcase kind of show, and that's the thing. Like it's I. Ideally, I always say like eight comics or less, even seven or less. Um, what I my goal now is I've been trying to book as little as possible. Again, like, obviously you need barkers in that in that neighborhood mm -hmm. because that's that's our business. That's that, that, that's a lot what of tickets. People, that's who puts people in the audience. Yep. Um, balancing that and making sure that it's worth it for them to get stage time too. I've just been, um, as far as my shows, I've been trying to, and a lot of the producers have been kind of adapting like the exact same the same way as me. Is you want to do more time, but you also want the other comics to do more time. So mm. 
honor that. And like I keep saying, the integrity of the show. If you're following the integrity of the show, then we can all have great sets, have longer sets, and develop. Now, me as a manager and as a comedian, thank God for um, getting exhausted, um, like <laughs> fatigue. Well, I, I think uh, dude, if, if, like, I could... Um, I could be an egomaniac and book myself every day, mm-hmm. but the reality is I'm not gonna get better. Yeah, like I, I can perform two days a week. I, I mean, uh, two two times a day, every day. That's 14 spots. The fact that it's every day, uh, like you're you're not growing as a human being, so you're not growing as a comic. Like you, all you're doing is going on stage. Yeah. So I think you need days off, and that's one thing I've learned is finding the balance of, like treating it like this is like, how would Joe Rogan like perform at the comedy store like he's there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday like that's him working on new shit for his next special or his next right. tour um, finding my my balance now has been the thing like now like I'm, I know I'm gonna be there on Thursday, Friday, Saturday which are the busier nights um, I want my act to obviously develop and improve so the fact that I'm running those shows I'm there the majority of the time I'll try to find the balance of Sunday through Wednesday of finding at least one day that I do spots to start the new stuff yep. so that I can actually start playing with it. By the time I get to the busier nights, like it's ready. And yeah. it's, that's, I think that's, um, I'm like grateful and like blessed that I can actually fucking do that because like I said, man, like I was like the fact that I run a club, it just gives me a few more spots than other people, but I'm still trying to get booked like at places. Yeah. Well, that that's the other thing that a lot of producers fall kind of victim to is, um, the temptation to spot trade every single show like how do you essentially decide like okay so this person integrity is, the show like well yeah right so like, it's, but it's it's so tempting to like just add one more dude because he might hook you up at penthouse comedy or whatever i just named well, the you, show uh, if you plan better then put him next week but um yeah it's this is the one thing that was the hardest part for us to learn in the beginning was learning to say no mm. and yeah, you, have, elaborate have, on that. What um that it's a funny parallel, dude. But have you ever seen the movie Hoosiers? I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never There's like a, watched. He it. was a strict coach. The guy takes him to the championship. Yep. Um, in the beginning of the movie, when nobody believes in his discipline, one of his better players that's a kind of a jerk. He um. He's on the bench, and somebody fouls out. So now there's only and there was only six guys on the team. So now there's four players on the court, and the guy that oh haha coach like now I, have, I get back on like I get back on the court he goes where do you think you're going and the referee's like you're playing with four he's like my uh my team's on the court and the ref goes alright so he plays with four guys the rest of the game I believe in like this is the thing is that the integrity of the show and, and, and who you book um whether maybe that day it's somebody that's not that that you don't think is as funny but they're part of the comedy community dude and, and they got right. booked that day so you honor that and let them be funny that's partially how they get better but it, exactly but every time somebody walks in like oh dude like somebody's dropping in like unless it's a, like it, and that's the thing like unless it's like like I'm gonna go to unless it's the top five comics mm-hmm. honor the guys that are on stage if, one you're belittling like the guys that like oh let me give these guys less time because he's gonna make the show better like right that that's the balance and I think being a good producer you find that rhythm of this is the day to let that guy do stage time. But a lot, some days when I'm full, then I'm full. And I'm like, no. And, and then if you're going to get upset and you're going to take it personal, don't ask me for spots. It's that, like, it's like, right. why are you going to turn into like a 
like a little whiner. Like it's right. like, like, dude, like you know, and and a lot of times it's people that you take care of a lot, and then out of nowhere they're like, oh, oh, really? I see how it is. Like, dude, you see how what is like, right? Like I, I can't do it today, and. It's that ego that you're talking it's about. It's ego, and and I get it. You need it for the stage time because the audience wants to see a confident person on stage. And I think the ego, if you treat it objectively, it's a muscle. Like just apply it for what it's needed for to make your jokes better because they want to see someone that's confident saying the jokes. But if you apply that ego in a, like a toxic way as a person, then me and Alex Carabagno have had this conversation since we started doing stand up. Mm. Me and him have gotten spots since I started doing stand up, probably just as much as now. Just because I was a nice person, yeah. Because I was not a dick, dude. Like, right. like, like you don't burn bridges. You show up, shake hands, and that's it. Like, I'm not. Hey, you got, yeah. you got five minutes. You got five minutes. Like, no, dude. Like, I don't like. I would ask you. Nobody likes someone that begs. I would ask you. It's uh, yeah. And there's a lot of people that that do it. I I also subscribe to the nice thing because you're not guaranteed to get spots if you're nice to people, but you are definitely guaranteed to not get spots if you are not nice to people. How many, how many and times? it's have, just about like, what are you doing, man? Like, why are you freaking out right how now? How many times have you booked somebody? Like, you need somebody in the next four minutes. Yeah. Like, that desperate. And you look at a room and you go, who's the person that's the least dick? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I all oh, like, oh, man. And, well, and, it's like a Greenwich and, and be like, that drop. person's hilarious, but he's an asshole. Right. It's like, I'm no, like, no. kind of funny, but a dick. It's like, Decently funny, but not a dick. Like, let's go. Not going to ruin the show, but I'm <laughs> friends with you. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, people try to call you out. To, oh, he only puts the, the his friends on the show. It's like, yeah. Like, I'm gonna keep they're my, good. I'm gonna keep and I want to help my friends are- out. And like, and that's like doing shows at, at Greenwich. Someone would cancel, but the pair is where everyone hangs out. And it's like, man, I can't count how many times I like came sprinting out of that fucking club to go to the pair. It's like. All right, first person. Hey, 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 come to a spot right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right now, right now. You got yeah, seven. And you'll yeah, keep yeah. it secret. And every single person. Well, yeah, you do. You like, walk around. You go like, like grab a shirt. It's like you want a spot room. Yeah, like, <laughs> you want anybody else to hear that shit? Dude? Like, no, that's true. Unless it's like, unless it's someone really good or yeah. something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's a tough. That that part is not tough to balance to me. Of just like the. Um, Try, on being on the other end the producing is where all the balance is on the other end i think the best way to get on produced shows is to not be an asshole don't just show up dude. and show people that you work hard because not only like if you're nice but people don't think you really want it there's they're gonna be like well i don't know he's never around i don't know i don't he, know him that well but he's a nice dude i don't know i'll get somebody else when i first started getting spots doing stand-up i had even nothing to do with me doing stand-up it was because i bartended in that neighborhood yeah. And I became friends with the comics because I got into comedy and I was and I would, I would go watch a show and I'm I'll buy drinks cuz like I think like a bartender so right. like I'm spending money. I'm not bothering anybody. I just want to watch cuz I want to learn. Like that's my my whole goal was can I watch cuz I want to learn. Yeah. Like I want to laugh. I'm going to be your best audience. I have I laugh, dude. Like I love watching shows, Oh dude. yeah. So I, I was like if there are there are a lot of comics that get to the point where they they don't laugh at anyone's jokes anymore and it's like Man, if you can't even like, if Some, you can't even respect the art form enough to chuckle <laughs> after ten years, like Some you're dead inside. I've heard over a hundred times, and they still make me laugh from people, man. Yeah, I just love it, dude. It's, if it's funny, it's funny. It's like hearing a good song, dude. Like, yeah. Well, let me let me. I want to get back into the the just a regular bar portion of this real quick. Um, so, in your mind, because producing producing a show and running a comedy club is a lot of dealing with people. Who is harder to deal with, bartenders or comedians? Just from a like, dude, what the fuck type of perspective. 
I would say comedians. <laughs> but uh, awesome. But but easier from doing it so long in the bar, like because for example, like I I managed a bar that was all girls. Okay. And territorial, like it was. It was I was the only guy on the staff, and, and my two <laughs> my two guy barbacks, and yeah. all the girls were my waitresses, my 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 bartenders, and balancing like a schedule in that mindset of egos like who deserves to be on Friday who deserves to be on Saturday oh yeah and finding like making everybody happy and knowing like this is not like you didn't you don't deserve to work that day like just finding like kind of being like a counselor for each person um it's funny because I I I, 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 I love being a comedian and, and I love comics but yeah. I hate comics I hate them so um, much and comics <laughs> Look, let me let me let me rephrase. The ones I like, I like more than anybody in the world. <laughs> the ones I hate, I hate them more than everybody else. One of my biggest hates from bartending, and any bartender can tell you the same thing, is somebody asking for a free drink. From? From the bartender. Like, yo, oh, let me, let me, yeah. hook me up, bro. Like, give me a free shot. Like, and, and, dude, it's... That's the equivalent of, like, outside when you're barking. Minutes. They're like, no, or uh, tell me a joke. <laughs> Yeah, I hate that one too. <laughs> but, but I like it's like when people go, you, can can I get like five minutes, bro? Like no, bro. Like pay yeah. for it. You know, like like I'm not giving you a free drink. Yeah. Like why? Am I, and in, in bartending, the, the reason is, dude, like you you never make extra money from giving a free drink. Like, you, like the person right. usually hooking up, giving them a free beer, will tip you like a dollar more. Right. So like, why'd you even? What was the point? Like right. you're not making that much more money, and you're, and now you're giving like the house away. So now you're taking away your job. Um, I think yeah. a, a big thing is, uh, and, and uh, it's funny to say that managing, managing egos in comedy is such a different thing because it's, it's such a universal human nature. Like we always want more. Mm -hmm. So you have to like, kind of, it's almost like, like, a, like this is sad, but like, like a crackhead, like give them, <laughs> like give them a little bit of crack yeah. once every two weeks. Give that person a little crack, like once every just three give months. A little high, just, just a give them a little, little high. bit of a good set. Just, just a, a little, little high, so they can. But if I start giving it to them three times a week, they're gonna want four times a week. Yeah. They're gonna want five times a week. So as long as you keep it at a level, like dude, this is what you get until we can give you more. Well, going back to what you said before, where you know you've got people that you're cool with for years, and then all of a sudden they freak out on you. It's because you didn't keep upping their quote-unquote dosage of shows like they feel like they should keep going up the real ones like, get it hey man i can only give you so much here the real the real friends get it and yeah. the ones that are my real friends don't they know not to ask me like yeah and they know i and, and and i actually take care of them because of that yeah like they it's just that trust of like dude don't ask me like you know like you know i love yeah. you dude. like you know one of my you're one of my boys you know i'm gonna give you probably one more spot than somebody yeah um but it's the thing the real ones don't ask me because because they, they they trust the system dude the flow of positivity bro like like if you yeah. just don't 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 mess up the flow overall like i'm i'm part of an overall flow of comedy bro yep like i'm i'm just a wheel in that whole machine dude like yeah just just little spokes but it's it's tough from the the comics perspective and you know this i'm not i'm not telling you anything you don't know here it's just like sometimes you can kind of get lost in the wash like there's so many comics and there's the mentality of like squeaky wheel gets the grease but at some point, the wheel is so squeaky. You're like, "Hey, man, shut the fuck up!" Like you gotta. <laughs> I, but I, I think oh, what people don't realize now is, um, it's like feudalism, dude. Like back in like ancient, like, <laughs> dude, you have to have a skill. 
Like, yeah. and, and it's not just um, your jokes. Like that, that everybody, that, like everybody, everybody's breathing. Like for me, as a comedian in the comedian world, is like that's your breath. Everybody knows how to breathe. Yeah. But like, find another way to get more breath, dude. Like, like some people are welders, some people are archers, like some mm-hmm. people are farmers. You have to like a podcast. I run shows. These are parts of us applying to that whole system right. that indirectly improves your comedy career because it's it's all part of that whole machine, dude. And when, when I think people try to just cut right through it in a selfish way, they yeah. don't go as far because dude, all you have to offer is you on stage. Like you're not there yet. Yeah. And and even the the best people, like I keep going, the top five comics, they're famous. They're doing their end, showing up to comedy club because people are going to watch them. Right. Like it, until unless you're, you're drawing. Until you exactly until you're that person, you, sh- you have to play with a system. If you're a brand new comic, and there's no, it's just because of your ego that you don't want to do it. If if you know ten people that'll come watch you perform, bring ten people to a show, dude. It's giving you stage time. It yeah. might not be ideal, but you're growing as a comic. If you can't get stage time, produce a show. If you can't get stage time, bark. If you can't get stage time start an open mic oh yeah like, i mean that's so many I, ways dude like, and i've had that mentality pretty much this whole time either i've always either been barking or producing shows or helping produce shows because in my mind like i don't i don't hate it enough to not do it yeah. you know like my my mentality with work is i will do anything if i like who i'm doing it for or i like who i'm doing it with and so when some someone's like hey produce a show with me i'm like all right I mean, because, like, what else am I doing with my time? I'm going to watch TV. Like, fuck, I might exactly. as well go produce better, a show or go bark or whatever. And, like, you know, there's there's a point where you kind of graduate from, like, all right, I'm on a random corner in, in Greenwich Village, and, and that does suck. But replace it with something else because, like, exactly. I was just having this conversation with another comic. I won't say their name, but, like, they are the type of comic that goes around to – friend shows and all these other things and they like hope to get thrown up which is fine like no problem goes, there but they were long, that, that doesn't go a long way like well right so that's that's what happened it's like discouraged. they went to the same show with their friend like three times and their friend was like hey i'll try and get you up and then they stuck around for the whole show and didn't get up and they were like man i wish you just told me i wasn't getting up it's like you put them in a tough spot man like i i don't know what to tell you it's like you should produce shows because then you'll get on more because it's a short leash like your friends will only throw you up so many times before the pair i literally have produced a show at every bar that i've worked at yeah like because i wanted to do stage time like i just yeah that's that was my like i was like and the david mamet approach dude david mamet yeah elaborate um he was an actor and he wasn't getting booked on anything, so he started writing his own plays, and he became a great playwright. Right. But uh, that's he basically said, I, I couldn't get on plays, so I started writing my own. And Smart. if you hear David Mamet talk, he's like a hardcore like New Yorker, like he's got thick, like he's like, I started writing my own plays, and I was like, that's that simple. Like, yeah. And people started wanting to be wanted to start being on his plays, so I was like, you know what, man, I kind of followed the same thing. It's like if I can't get like if I can produce a good show. People are gonna to want to be in that show, and mm. hopefully that parallels with that whole people that have other good shows. And yeah. I'm part of a network that I want to be part of. We oh, all like, yeah. we, going back to the clicks. I think we all make um, alliances in in any field. Um, right. The guys I mean, that, that are happens better at bars too. <laughs> absolutely. But the guys that are better at it, better at it, are the ones that have fucking just more positive relationships with people. Yeah. That's true. So like how what are the parallels to like 
you know, managing uh, bartenders or being a bartender to, you know, in terms of the clickiness, like how do you manage people thinking that they want more, um, who should be working with who? Because in, in comedy, it's very free flowing, I think. There's, there's not a rigid structure to it. Um, which is both a blessing and a curse sometimes. Yeah. But like, can compare and contrast that to managing a bar. How do you how do you manage those egos? Are you sitting people down and telling them straight up, like, hey, you don't deserve Friday night? Or is it more like comedy where you know they're just supposed to kind of get the hint from not getting spots? You know, I think I mean that's uh, it, it sucks because that's your own. Uh doesn't matter who you are as a human being as like your own integrity of, of being honest with yourself and knowing where you're at and maybe you're not there like or maybe you think you are um i honestly think uh i i and i people some people understand when i tell them this response but a lot of people don't like it and it's just me being honest like dude when because they want people like oh why can't i start getting like and people that i'm not even i don't even know that well like right show me the avails like dude who are you like i've never even had a conversation with you <laughs> yeah or you met once outside One time. but uh, I, I tell people honestly like dude when when you start doing so well that you've created a buzz with your name when, and it happens all the time like yeah. uh, Chris Ryder is a perfect example when oh. Chris Ryder first started showing up and he started hosting a few shows I started hearing it from Mallory mm-hmm. Mallory Bryant another producer yep. of the pair I started She's hearing it from on this before Anna Bianco well. yep. producer, like when you start saying like that person crushed cool that's you just put that in my file yeah um, now the next day I show up to the pair and Kenny's like yo this dude crushed and like oh two people just said it like dude when you're on the fucking radar all right, how about do this Friday? Yep. Because like it's it's that like it's that obvious and and you you organically you organically did what you're supposed to do as a comedian. Like yeah. you you put the work in and you're consistent. You're a nice person. You're not a dick. Like we keep saying and do like and and you just waited and and, and the thing is that's the key right there. I patience, think a lot dude, of comics are very impatient with how good they think they are versus the amount of work and effort that they've put in and their actual level. Like that's part of comedy. Everybody thinks they're funnier than they are because if they thought they weren't, they would have quit. And so it's just like balancing that is really tough to go like, okay, I, I think I deserve this, but at the same time, I also know that I haven't done enough to get to this point. That's the same thing. Even with me trying to do a special, I was like, dude, who's who, who told me I could do that? Like yeah. oh you're not ready yet like, you know, like oh, can you do that like like you don't have a name it's like no but I want to do it and and I did it anyway and that's my mindset is I I'm still attempting making an effort to try to do it um, going back and we keep it everything kind of is, is is very linear in what we're saying as far as you make it happen yeah you your effort whether it's a special whether it's you getting spots whether it's producing a show it's learning curve and the patience of that you're learning and improving yeah and 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 it meant if you're actually if you're actually paying attention and learning you're gonna get better and and even on the business side of it of, of how to get booked and and planning your weeks better like for example something that a person had just started doing stand-up didn't know compared to a person that's been doing it for five years is you knowing that you get booked every once in a while from a person hitting them up saying like hey i'm available in December whether you get it or not 
you still planting a seed and just say it once don't be annoying about it like you planted that seed yep. there's actually a, a good book that I read um, and this guy actually booked me and it was not at, like because of the book but um, it was just coincidence that I read it it's called um, How to Quit Your Day Job and Become a Full-Time Comedian hmm. I think the, 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 uh, the author's name is Phil Pareto okay um, very objective it's like a notebook of what to do like and it's kind of what we've been talking about, like book a room, go to open mics, make a schedule, write jokes. Yep. Um, cold calling. Like yeah. it's part of it, dude. Like like call clubs. Um, find out who's the booker. Um, don't bother him. Like don't be annoying to him. Like right. hit him up once a month just so they know you're serious. Every time you have a new tape, send it to them. Like yep. that's it's it's like being an actor, dude. Just as an FYI. Not not following up and going like, Hey man, I sent you a tape, when am I getting on? But no, just like exactly. hey, just keep you up to date with what I'm doing on. Hi, here. How are you? Hopefully you yep. find room for me in February. Uh hope all is well. Here's a tape. Yep. March. Eventually, dude, like and that's a lot of times people that I like I'll book is like I haven't booked that person in like six months. You're like, fuck, like, let me give them a spot. Yeah, right. Like, like, <laughs> that, that happens too. It's like, oh shit, I haven't had them on in yeah, exactly. that long. And, and oh God. And it's crazy because you can't. Sorry, man. Yeah. And you want to make everybody happy, but you forget sometimes. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even that happens with this podcast where it's just like, I'll meet, I'll see somebody out and go like, fuck, why have I not had you on? And you're, you're one of those people. Oh, but, um, but being organized, like, and that's the thing, like the organization. And I think that's how you learn how to say no to people that just drop in is if I can plan efficiently my next two months of can you do this date? I know it's down the road, but right. just commit to it and at least you, you have that system. date. Like, yeah. 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 But that's hard, dude. I mean, it's just it, going back to us wanting just to be full-time comedians. That, that's the the journey, bro. And, and the hard work is like getting to that. And then when you get to that, it, like I'll talk to Ryan Long. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, like two days ago. This is a good... He's there. He's doing it full-time. Well, he. this is a... As a just a guy that has a sick podcast, he films sketches. He's got a bunch of social media attention. He's touring now, headlining. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I told him, like, it's funny because we we laughed about it. Like that's a good problem that he has. He hired an assistant because he can't even respond to emails. Damn. And I was like, that's that's <laughs> That'd be, fucking awesome, oh, dude. And I was like, man, yeah. that's like that's uh, that's I, the I, dream. I have goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, like, dude, right? I, I looked up, I was like, dude, that's oh my god, that's kind of awesome. It's like, yeah, I know, man, it's, it's just crazy. Like, I literally can't handle communicating with people because I'm too busy, and I like I have to have an assistant. Like, and I was like, pretty soon you need two, dude. Like, that's, yeah, like, that's pretty, get that's badass, dude. Now you're just starting a company at that point. But that's 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 a person who's gone to the next paradigm, the next right. dimension the of, level, of comedy, yeah. and. Because he built that, dude. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'll see you there someday. Yeah, man. Likewise, dude. This this was a lot of fun, though. I think this was really interesting. I love talking about this sort of stuff. So thank you for coming on. Do you have anything you want to plug? Obviously, like, when is the special coming out? Obviously, you got a ton of shows. Um, We got to edit it, man. Um, The ideal goal is to have it on Netflix. I mean, we have some sort of angle of getting to that um okay we i'm speaking to the guy that's going to edit it in a couple of days we are going to decide if we're just going to make it a comedy special or half documentary style mm. with a kind of like a sit down with each comedian that's part okay. of it because in the goal in the future we want to do this with a new group of five yeah um but as, if you want to see current stuff i uh i post stuff all the time on youtube just gabe dorado um my instagram is cuban is funny 
TikTok Cuban is funny. I don't. I'm terrible at TikTok. So <laughs> TikTok's hard. I haven't figured it out yet. As uh, yeah, nobody nobody really has. It kind of sucks, but it's also great if you get lucky. It's it's weird. But I have one video that has nothing to do with me that got like eight hundred thousand hits, and everything else has gotten less than like fifty. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's and stuff uh, that I put like I effort and time thing. in. Like this is gonna crush. Yep. And yep. seven people watch it. It's like, how, dude? Like, that's Fucking, impossible. It's like, terrible. I hate TikTok. But anyway, my, fo- my, follow me there. Get my hat. Corey T. Comedy. <laughs> and uh, that's Instagram, too. And um, yeah, Midtown Manhattan. I'm doing a bunch of shows, especially over the holidays. So if you're in New York, stop by, say, hey, um, I'm doing your show Tuesday. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, thank you again for that. No problem, man. Thank, thank you for doing this. This thank, is great. My we'll pleasure, do another Paul, one soon. Absolutely. But this is a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Uh,